coming to you from a cozy little condo high atop Old Fort Ward, Atlanta. Welcome, Welcome to The Ron Show on America One Radio. Here's your host, Ron Roberts. And a happy hump day to you. It's kind of one of those, uh, another, yet another one of those gray, rainy, foggy, kind of wintry days. At least it's not cold. It's not warm either, but it's not cold. Just, you know, at that temperature and at that dew point where you feel chill. I'm wearing a hoodie inside. I've got the thermostat today inexplicably set at 72 because I just don't like moisture chill. You know what I mean? And I did venture out today. I had lunch uh, at Wolf's with uh, my friend Rosalind from the organization Joining Hearts and immediately came back and put on a hoodie because it's just, all right, you didn't come here for the weather forecast. I apologize for giving that to you. I just needed to, I guess, gripe just a touch. So, uh, Plenty of little headlines to get to today. Don't have a guest lined up. God knows I've been trying. I have been trying to uh, to score some time with some city councilmen and some advocacy organizations and just out the gate where 2023 is not exactly, uh, we're not landing. We're not landing those planes just yet, but uh, we will continue working on that. And by the way, thank you for listening to this show uh, as you do, when you do on the America One Radio app and at AmericaOneRadio.com. So our governor, Brian Kemp, has been in Davos, Switzerland, kind of hobnobbing with the international folks. Lauren Boebert, by the way, unintentionally taking barbs at him, I guess because the FBI director was was in Davos as well. And so Lauren Boebert, naturally, uh, because she supports uh, that thin blue line, unless that blue line extends to the FBI, uh, has been taking some swipes at people who have been in Davos. Uh, and speaking at the World Economic Forum, she tweeted <laughs> that she would never speak at the World Economic Forum, to which I think the World Economic Forum would say, well, no, no, you won't. Anyway, uh, Governor Brian Kemp has been there, and he's been making the rounds, and he spoke on a panel yesterday, and we shared a lot of that audio. He actually even spoke uh, on Bloomberg uh, TV as well. I want to give you a piece of that, because Georgia, as we all know, is making a play for the EV electric vehicle market. And there's already a little bit of a a back and forth between he and Senator John Ossoff as to who gets credit for a lot of that uh, uh, technological leap here in the state of Georgia as far as the manufacturing of the EV plants goes. Namely because it would would assume you would think that that, uh, Governor Kemp would probably perhaps maybe run for a Senate seat. And I believe John Ossoff's would be the next one up in four years. Anyway, listen to this exchange when uh, Kemp is asked about Georgia's foray into the electric vehicle manufacturing market. Uh, Georgia seems to be really making a substantial investment in the future of the electric vehicle industry. Tell us about that. And more specifically, I mean, you've just been reelected, but how do you make sure that continues past your tenure? So it's a long-term prospect for Georgia. Well, it's something we've been working on for a long time, and it's all really designed on what I campaigned on for was strengthening rural Georgia, making sure that Georgians, no matter their zip code, had great opportunities for a good job, a good school, and a safe environment. Uh, So we've really been pushing hard to bring great paying jobs to rural parts of our state. And if you look at what we've done over the last four years, that's exactly what's happening. Uh, a lot of it has happened to be in the EV space. And it's my goal that when I leave four years from now, that we're going to be the electric mobility capital of the United States. Mm. I mean, we really have that kind of synergy. There's also a lot of other great things happening 
uh, in the southeast uh, that's helping drive our business as well. And it's not just a manufacturer like our Hyundai. We got battery plants with SK. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to be meeting in Germany the Friday with a recycling company that we have in our state. And so it's really the whole ecosystem that we're driving along with the diverse economy we've got. I mean, we have a huge agriculture economy. We've got a huge fintech economy, cybersecurity, you know, film, traditional small business state. Uh, so just a, a lot of good things that are helping us right now. And I'm so optimistic about the future of our state, despite what's happening in the world economy and whether we're gonna have a recession or not in 23, uh, we are we are suited in Georgia to plow right through that. We've got so many demand, so much demand for jobs right now that uh, you know it's just going to be a blimp for us, I believe, and we're keeping our foot on the gas. I I listen to all of this and I pinch myself because say what you will, but if you had just read a transcript and not heard that voice of his, wouldn't you have thought you were listening to a liberal Democrat governor bragging about his blue state? Now, I'm not saying this to sort of make those on the left feel better about a Brian Kemp's second term as governor. I'm just pointing out that this could be the sort of fault line we see for 2024 within the GOP. You can't think for one minute that the pro-fossil fuel lobby that ingratiates a lot of support for potential senatorial or, dare I say, presidential candidates in 2024 are going to want to throw a lot of their money behind the potential candidacy of a Brian Kemp who said what he just said about making Georgia the EV capital, <laughs> the EV capital of the country, if not the world. I mean, listen, I'm as happy as anybody that electric vehicle purchases are climbing. I think there was a piece on NBC News last night that said about 6% of vehicle purchases now are electric vehicles. That's up. Uh, it's still not a huge number, but that is up. Uh, I'm sure it's higher in bluer states and in bluer cities like Atlanta. I mean, I've been nearly clipped by a Tesla a few times in a parking lot, <laughs> but it's encouraging nonetheless. I'm just telling you, if you blindfolded yourself or had to read the transcript to hear what Brian Kemp said without knowing it was Brian Kemp, you might think you were listening to Gavin Newsom from California, right? All that uh, diverse economical message and the embrace of uh, the EV manufacturing and the batteries. I mean, he, he went short of, you know, cursing out fossil fuels and talking about solar panels from just being a, 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 a dyed-in-the-wool liberal Democrat, right? I'm just saying, watch to see if that becomes the Achilles heel to a potential Brian Kemp Senate campaign or even a presidential run, should he make a go of that. I have to believe that his global foray is a precursor to something. And I honestly lean more to presidential than gubernat than uh, than Senate, just because you don't you don't go to Davos to run for the U.S. Senate. I don't know. I'm I'm just keeping an eye on this. And for the record, last October, heading into election day, I as much as said some of the voters uh, 
the moderate, moderate-ish, left-leaning type voters, not the pure progressive. But I, I said all along that I felt like Brian Kemp was going to get a bit of a pass from some voters at the center, center left for things like embrace of the EV manufacturing and for the fact that he was not a MAGA Trumper. He did not bend the knee. I'm just thinking out loud here. Is Brian Kemp the sign of a return to the modern day version of what a moderate Democrat is? I know, I know. It seems kind of crazy to think that that might exist, especially with the six-week abortion ban. But but you can't help but wonder if if this is what we can expect to see of a moderate, in modern times, Republican. Here's what he had to say. By the way, th- this feels very moderate, not very Marjorie Taylor Greenish, not very Kevin McCarthy-ish, uh, about the debt ceiling when he was asked about that on Bloomberg. What do you make of what's going on and what makes sense right now in the Congress to make sure we don't default? I assume you agree we shouldn't default on our debt. Well, look, I haven't really had any discussions on that. And I was on a panel last night with uh, some of the U.S. senators and, and folks from Congress, and I know that they were talking about we got to get to working on that. And I know there's a deadline supposedly on Thursday, but when you hear them talk privately, I mean, they're going to be working on this for the next month or two. So, you know, I'm not too concerned with that. I think they'll deal with that issue. I mean, I'm hoping that uh, a little bipartisanship and different control in the U.S. House of Representatives will uh, have the Congress really working for the American people. Uh, but my message to folks is regardless of whether there's grid not, gridlock or not in Washington, D.C., the state of Georgia is going to continue to be stable. We're going to move right ahead and uh, give our citizens opportunities. And that's a great story for us to share literally with the world. I mean, he didn't dive into it too much, but it wasn't that maniacal MAGA shut it all down kill it if you have to sort of mindset that worries a lot of us who do watch the nuts in Washington talk about letting things go into default and the calamitous economic repercussions that wouldn't just be felt domestically, but even globally, should the United States default on their obligations. By the way, a quarter of which are national debt, a quarter of which stemmed from the four years of the prior presidency. I don't like to talk about that, but it is the case. And one-eighth of our national debt stemmed from the first three years of the Trump presidency prior to COVID. I'm just saying Brian Kent may be positioning himself as a more moderate alternative to Ron DeSantis in 2024. More Ron Show on America One Radio next. Oh, hey, you're still here. Hey, that's cool. Thanks for sticking around. Not only am I host of The Ron Show, I'm also Ron Roberts, real estate agent slash realtor with eXp Realty. That's right. I help folks buy and sell residential real estate in and around Metro Atlanta. And we've been through a crazy couple of years, have we not? Between COVID, the post-COVID market, the craziness, you could throw an open house on a souped up tool shed and you would have cars lined around the block to come in and see it and throw an offer well over asking price. Well, those days are no longer a part of us and interest rates are a little higher than they were before. But I must say, it's still a great time to either buy or sell or both real estate, residential real estate in Metro Atlanta. Why buy? I tell tenuous buyers all the time, if you are renting right now, 
You are paying someone else's retirement accounts your money, and it might as well go to you. The cost of housing in Atlanta is not going to get cheaper. The population is going to continue to grow well into the 2040s, with nearly a million and a half new residents expected to come here. So you better get a house sooner rather than later. And if you can afford to buy an investment property, now if you already own your home, why not buy one nearby you as well and create some additional income that could be your retirement savings and you get to choose one of your new neighbors. Now, if you're thinking about selling, but you're thinking, oh man, I really missed out on that huge market in the past summer or two. Okay, yeah, sure. But the values aren't dropping. So you still got plenty you've earned just by owning what you're in and need to sell soon. Got questions? Feel free to hit me up. 843-283-0078 or email me ron at rononthereal.com. Georgia MLS 396-720. Website ronontheReal.com. That's me, Ron Roberts with eXp Realty.